All right, everybody. Thanks again for tuning in to KOVE 1330 AM, 107.7 FM, Community Connected. You're listening to Today in the 10, Vince Tropea here with your Coffee Time interview today. As I mentioned before the break, we're in studio today with Kelly Daner, assistant pastor at the Covenant Presbyterian Church and the main organizer behind the Be a Refuge Responding to Abuse and Trauma Free Seminar. It's going to be happening Saturday morning at 8.30 at the Covenant Presbyterian Church located at 875 Fremont Street. The seminar is a joint effort between the Refuge at Covenant Presbyterian Church, the Lore Foundation, the Langston Family Foundation, and Fremont County Alliance Against Domestic Violence and Sexual Assault. They've all teamed up to present free trainings for survivors, churches, and professionals who wish to make our community a safe place. He's also brought along Rachel Den Hollander and Darby Strickland, the two speakers at the seminar, and the Lore Foundation's Amy Vincent is here today as well. Ms. Den Hollander was largely responsible for putting Dr. Larry Nasser, team doctor for the U.S. gymnastics team, behind bars for the serial sexual abuse of young athletes. She was also named one of the world's 100 most influential people by Time Magazine and awarded Sports Illustrated Inspiration of the Year Award and told her story in the best-selling book, What is a Girl Worth? Ms. Strickland is well known as an author of Is It Abuse? A Biblical Guide to Identifying Domestic Abuse and Helping Victims and is on faculty at Westminster Theological Seminary in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. The seminar is for survivors of abuse, counselors, medical professionals, churches, law enforcement, bar association members, first responders, child care providers, and anyone interested in understanding abuse and trauma and how to help. Uh, we're going to talk about the event today, but before we get into all of that, how is everybody doing this morning? Great. Wonderful. Thanks for having us. Great. Excited to be here. Thanks for having us, Vince. We're good. I just appreciate you all coming in here today. I know you're very busy. You uh, just got into town, just flew in here. Uh, uh, before we dive into talking about uh, talking to each of our speakers, uh, Kelly, if you wouldn't mind just kind of giving us some background information on how this whole thing was organized. Thanks, Vince. So we uh, began putting this together in a sense about a year and a half probably ago when uh, Darby and Rachel and I started speaking about this kind of thing. Uh, we have done seminars periodically, uh, teamed up with the Alliance uh, periodically to present other speakers in the area, and we like to do them, but the pandemic basically shut all that down mm -hmm. for a period. So this was our first opportunity to get back to that. Uh, Darby and Rachel and I met uh, as we became uh, members of a committee for the Presbyterian Church in America to uh, provide a resource for churches in responding to abuse. And so as we got to know each other and found out these two love the West, uh, we decided they've got to come out here and uh, spend a little bit of time and, and share their incredible expertise. They, you know, as you'll see, and anybody who comes to the seminar understands the incredible background that these two have and what they can do for so we've been able to put this together and we really wanted it to be a full community event mm -hmm. for everyone so that they can understand abuse identify abuse respond to abuse and in good ways in ways that provide safety for victims and could end up being preventative then at that Absolutely. point you can identify those things yeah. Uh, yeah. early on and you guys are going to be teaching those kinds of skills you're going to be talking about the many ways uh, like you just said uh, for folks to identify those behaviors um, now just talking about the event itself uh, do people need to register online pay for tickets um, any of that information that folks need to know 
it is free. And so uh, we'd love people to just come. However, we do want them to register. And you can go to this, uh, the Covenant Presbyterian website, which is cpclanderwy.org. So cpclanderwyoming.org. And uh, you can register there so that we, ha uh, we have packets of notes and such for everyone who comes. And so we would like to be able to provide that for everybody. Perfect. And uh, I'll let you throw it over to uh, whoever, uh, two of the speakers is going to be uh, speaking first. Um, and then just if you wouldn't mind, give us a little background information on yourself. Sure. I'm Darby Strickland. Um, I am a biblical counselor, and I work for an organization called the Christian Counseling and Educational Foundation. And I got into abuse work largely because God just kept sending me women who were being abused. And at first, I didn't even recognize what was going on with them. They had a lot of panic attacks, chronic health issues, and other issues and anxiety that they were coming to me for. And it took me a while to figure out their bodies were sounding the alarm that they weren't doing well. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to go to their churches and really get them help. Um, and when I'd present them to the church, the church didn't really know what to do. They didn't really have biblical categories for abuse. Um, so I just really felt compelled to help educate the church, understand. Scripture is really clear that abuse is evil um, and the damage that people carry is body and soul damage. And so I've just, it's just been a delight to get to represent victims well in a church setting. Well, you're doing amazing work. And uh, once again, where, where do you operate mainly out of? Is it... It's outside of Philadelphia. Okay. And so uh, how did you end up uh, uh, meeting up with, with Kelly here and, and deciding, and other than, you know, that you like the West and everything, how, why uh, land and why Fremont County? Kelly's vision, honestly, just having worked with him on the committee, understanding the work that the refuge has done. Um, and a lot of churches that we work with, we point to the refuge model of ways that this community and that church has served victims well. And could you kind of describe that uh, refuge model? This is the first time I'm really hearing that term. Yeah, on just a very basic level, it is a ministry that supports uh, women victims and their children uh, who are in abusive homes or have come out of abusive homes. And so it's a support group. They meet weekly. Uh, they share their stories in a safe place where they can find encouragement, uh, both from the other women as well as from the Bible. And uh, they spend some time studying what the Bible has to say about abuse. And uh, then outside of those support group times, they have mentors who uh, are able to walk with them, uh, go to court hearings with them, uh, point them to resources that are available for them, like the Alliance mm -hmm. uh, and such. And so um, they just uh, provide that support as much as they can for them. And that's, that's what the refuge is about. And that's so vital because if you're going through trauma, if you're going through those uh, horrible, horrible moments, uh, it can be kind of daunting to go through all that alone, uh, the, the criminal justice system and uh, figuring out uh, who to reach out to, those resources available. So it's amazing that you guys are doing that and providing that. Now, Darby, you are also the uh, author of Is It Abuse? A Biblical Guide to Identifying Domestic Abuse and Helping Victims. Tell us a little bit about that book and how you started writing it and uh, what your goal with it is. Yeah, my goal was really to educate people in churches to walk alongside their friends 
um, elders, pastors, just to really be a general resource. So the first third of the book actually explains the abusive dynamics. What is oppression? Mm -hmm. That would be the biblical word, word where power and control is used to dominate and exploit someone for your own gain. Um, and then the middle third goes through all the various types of domestic abuse, whether it's physical, sexual, um, emotional, financial, and what it looks like when children are involved. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. the last third is then how do you support um, these women? Because um, And women are primarily victims, but it can be applied to men as well. Um, because being abused is one thing. Responding to abuse is very costly. Mm -hmm. And that's why the refuge and a community coordinated response is really important because it's just so difficult to walk somebody through it. So it's just on my heart to help Victims have friends, helpers, churches, elders be equipped so they weren't alone um, in the aftermath. Where can people find the book? It's on Amazon and the Westminster Bookstore, wtsbooks.edu. Perfect. And did you have like a website or anything, a personal website of any kind that you wanted to promote or uh, sure. let people know about? Darbystrickland.com. Perfect. And they can find it there as well. Links. Mm -hmm. Great. Uh, and Rachel, moving on to you. So you, you have a pretty interesting story here because as I said at the top, you are largely responsible for putting Dr. Larry Nasser uh, behind bars for serial sexual abuse that was going on of young athletes. And that kind of touches on that uh, whole concept of um, letting someone know, getting it out there, and then people actually advocating for those victims. Um, if you kind of wouldn't mind giving our listeners the, the background information on what that whole situation was, just in case they don't want to know. We're kind of like in a vacuum out here in Wyoming, so national news sometimes is kind of lost on a lot of us. So just giving that background info would be amazing. Yeah, absolutely. So Larry Nasser was the doctor who was the team physician for our women's Olympics gymnastics team, also worked for Michigan State University, uh, and was one of the most respected and well-known physicians in osteopathic medicine and sports medicine. And he was also a serial sexual abuser. Um, and I am trained as an attorney, but I was actually the whistleblower survivor. I didn't get to play the role of attorney in my case. Um, so I had to play the role of victim. I mm -hmm. had to be the one who figured out how to speak up and when to speak up and where to speak up and how to speak up and to navigate those processes. Um, and part of my heart with uh, with this training and just in general is to help people understand what that looks like, yeah, right? yeah. what it's like to be on the other end of the justice system uh, and how absolutely dependent you are on having a very skilled prosecutor. Um, you know, And the end result in my case um, was that we had over 500 women in the end come forward as victims of wow. Larry's abuse. He's in jail for the rest of his life. It was the best ending you could possibly get, right? And yet everyone is still living with the fallout from it. And it took an incredibly skilled prosecutor and a phenomenal detective and a police chief and just this entire team of professionals to get us to that result, right? And so learning to ask the question as a society, what do survivors face? What does it look like when they've been through abuse? How do we walk alongside them? What needs to be happening in our communities, in our justice systems, in our court systems to support survivors through this process, to give them a safe place to speak up, to be able to see that end result of having a pedophile off the street mm -hmm. and not able to harm children anymore. And just to really put a name and a face with that and to help people be able to identify and relate to that story. Relate to that story. And you, you mentioned too that um, he, he was initially one of the most well-respected. Uh, so we're, we're going back to that idea and concept of someone being in power, someone having that authority. So that makes it that much more daunting to move forward with anything, I'm assuming. 
Yeah, absolutely. And very few survivors, like Darby said, have any kind of community resources. You know, they're not surrounded by individuals who know what trauma looks like or who understand what it takes to speak up. They often don't have the benefit that I had of law enforcement professionals who are trauma trained uh, and who are skilled investigators and prosecutors who have the skill to try these types of cases. Uh, and so I often get asked, well, what do we need to do to motivate victims to speak up? Mm -hmm. uh, and that's really not the right question. The right question is, what do we need to do to make us safe? for them right. to speak up, right? And making it safe for victims to speak up is actually critical for prevention too. Because when you have a community that signals, hey, we understand these dynamics. We're going to take this seriously. We know what it looks like. We're going to understand what to do if someone speaks up. When a community can send that message, that's the most powerful thing you can do for healing the wounds that have already occurred, but also for preventing harm in the future. Well, and just, uh, and I'm sure you're hearing this from everyone too. Thank you for the work that you've been doing too, because outside of getting the, that information out there, you have to relive this trauma all the time. Every, like right now, you're having to talk about it uh, every time you're going on tour at these seminars. So I, I, I can't imagine what that's like. So just, just thank you for doing what you're doing. It's a privilege. You wrote the book, What is a Girl Worth as well? So do you discuss um, what that whole process was like that you went through in that book? Yeah, so what a girl is what is a girl worth is a memoir of what that process was like, but also my childhood, mm -hmm. right? So looking at uh, defying some of the stereotypes that we have of abuse. You know, there are absolutely abuse victims that come from broken homes, but sexual abuse crosses every socioeconomic barrier. It crosses every religious barrier, every cultural barrier, uh, and so helping people understand what it looks like. Uh, and what it takes to speak up and what that what undergoing that process is like, um, helping to put a name and a face with those realities. Um, because so much of the time, you know, those stories are cloaked in the identity of Jane Doe or John mm -hmm. Doe mm -hmm. out of protection for the survivor. And so it's very easy to brush off an anonymous individual, to not really think about the impact uh, that it's had uh, and to not understand what it looks like in real life for somebody that who's been through that, uh, how normal they can appear and they can make their life appear. How much damage you can accidentally do uh, through not being educated and not being trained. And so being able to kind of lift that veil and take a look at what it was like behind the scenes, what it's like to navigate our criminal justice process, and just a, a very multifaceted approach to understanding abuse and trauma. And uh, same question that I asked Darby, uh, how can people uh, get that book? Where is it available? Do you have a personal website and uh, other places that folks can find it? So the memoir is on Amazon, and so are the two little children's books, How Much is a Little Girl Worth and How Much is a Little Boy Worth. Uh, and then I do have a website, which is also just my name, racheljdenhollander.com. So you just uh, mentioned that the children's books as well. Yeah, there are two little uh, two books that were written to little girls and little boys, uh, and their poems really kind of giving parents the ability to talk to their kids about their value and their worth and addressing core concepts like where does that come from? Can somebody take it away from you? Can your value by, be damaged by something that's happened to you? Mm -hmm. And start some of those foundational discussions with their children. It's mega important to st start it at a young age because oftentimes with abuse, it starts off as uh, really small things mm -hmm. that, uh, that go further from there, you know, a, a pinch here or there, or just uh, saying something in public, not letting them speak. And they're like, oh, it's just fine. It's the person I love. And then uh, it, it doesn't get addressed any further than that. It may lead to worse situations. Absolutely. In addition to both of you speaking at the event, uh, what, what can folks expect uh, from discussion topics that you guys are going to have there? Will it be uh, kind of a training? and tips on how to recognize some of these behaviors? Will that be the focus? 
Yeah, so we're really taking a very multifaceted approach. The morning is geared really more for religious settings, but it's something that, you know, concepts that people can take and translate into other uh, into other dynamics. Uh, and so we'll be focusing on understanding the theology that we as Christians have related to abuse. How do churches handle this well? What does it look like to handle it well? Uh, and then in the afternoon, we're going to transition a little bit more to more of a professional context, uh, looking at the wounds of trauma, understanding signs of abuse, um, and taking a little more multifaceted approach. Approach. And I do want to ask whoever can answer this as well. Uh, who is this uh, seminar for specifically? Is it just for uh, people who are going through intensive training? Uh, is it uh, for people who are going through the through uh, potential abusive situations? It really is for everyone. Uh, one of the things that I find most often when I do trainings on abuse and when, when I'm using Darby's materials uh, is that you have professionals who go, okay, I understand better how to approach my job, right? But then you have community members who go, okay, now I understand what I'm seeing in my neighbor down the street and who, what I'm seeing in this, you know, this friend that I have. You have survivors who come up and say, okay, I have a framework now for what I've experienced. I have words to articulate what I need to be able to do and to understand what I've gone through. Uh, and so it really is material that is relevant to anybody in any walk of life um, because it gives you a framework and, and a concept of understanding abuse and abusive dynamics that translate to, what, to whatever situation you are in and whatever community you're in. And as we kind of said before, too, you may not even realize you're in a potentially abusive situation if you don't know those things to look for. Yeah, and there's also when you realize the statistics of abuse that uh, a third of women are are abused in their lifetime. Uh, you know somebody. Everyone knows somebody. If you're not haven't been abused, then you know someone. And being able to help them, uh, one of the most important aspects of healing is having someone who hears you and believes you and listens to you. And so being uh, trauma-informed, being abuse-informed helps you help their healing. That's very, very important. Very important. It's not always uh, solving the issue right in the moment, but just being that listening ear. And this question could go to uh, either of you, any of you. What do you think are some of the most uh, common misconceptions that people have um, about uh, dealing with abuse and maybe just getting the word out there on it? Yeah, I think we don't understand how prevalent it is mm -hmm. and we don't understand the depth of the damage. So it's largely unseen, right? Abuse happens behind closed doors. And I think we, if we have healthy people who've grown up in healthy homes and relationships, we cannot imagine the horrors. I think once we understand what happens, um, but I think addressing abuse is actually a problem of imagination. We lack an understanding of what's really happening. Mm -hmm. um, and so there's, there's thousands of misconceptions. Um, why didn't she flee? Why didn't she, why didn't she leave is a question. Um, why didn't they say something sooner? Their story's super disorganized. They mustn't be telling the truth. And so just trying to understand why people have those varying reactions, explain the trauma reactions that leads us on the outside to look at victims as messy people that we don't understand. I think is really foundationally important. It's mega important, and uh, just yeah, thank to thanks to you as well for for doing the work that you're doing and, and getting. Uh, that word out there. And once again, for anyone else who's just tuning in, this is going to be the Be a Refuge Responding to Abuse Trauma Free Seminar that's happening Saturday morning at 830 at the Covenant Presbyterian Church. 
Uh, we're here today with a number of people who are organizers and speakers at the event and uh, throwing things over here to Amy Vincent from the Lore Foundation. Uh, the Lore Foundation, once again, a sponsor here on Coffee Time. Uh, Amy's been on the show a number of times, and I'm just always fascinated by uh, the outreach that you guys have uh, in bringing folks like this into our community. Yeah, it's really exciting. I So Kelly had said earlier that this was a project a year and a half in the making, and um, it's something that he's been talking to me about for at least a year. Um, and being able to like just have those conversations with Kelly and then also with the Fremont County Alliance Against Domestic Violence um, and kind of like working working these things to make it happen so that Rachel and Darby could be here um, is just really exciting. It's very exciting and we're, uh, important subject matter that's going to be going on. And we're very lucky to have you both here in our community to be talking about such important subject matter. And uh, in addition to this weekend's free seminar, was there anything else uh, upcoming, any other events or any other uh, speaker seminars that you guys are going to be involved with uh, this summer or any time in the near future? Uh, I I do do a lot of um, speaking and educating. I work with universities, nonprofits, uh, legal groups, medical groups, school systems, uh, and again, just really taking a very multifaceted approach to understanding abuse and trauma responses. And uh, same thing too, then it's your website where people can stay up to date with uh, how to get how to reach out to you uh, to either schedule those events or maybe to find out where they're happening. Yep, absolutely. And I'll throw it back over to uh, Darby as well there. Same same question. Sure. In relation to trauma, I work for the Christian Counseling and Educational Foundation. They have a trauma conference happening in October in Virginia Beach. And we're super excited for that. I have a lot of interest um, and just looking to really approach it very robustly with a lot of speakers at that event. <clears throat> Was there anything else that uh, any of you think that our listeners and eventual readers should know about uh, for this weekend's event? So I just wanted to mention that while um, Kelly and I first started having these conversations the about bringing Rachel and Darby into Lander, um, what I was hearing from other groups um, around town was just that um, since the pandemic has, you know, mostly subsided and it's just something we live with now that um, people were, and mostly women, were leaving in droves and like needing the support like that's what the alliance was saying was like we have more people um needing resources than like we have resources Mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. to help and so it just seemed like a really good time for this to be happening like we just went through this pandemic where people were stuck at home so it was Um, scary time if you're in an abuse situation that was a very scary time and it always is but that especially because you like you just are stuck stuck at home with your abuser uh right and so to be coming out of that and then to have um these amazing professionals coming um to talk to us and to do it in this multifaceted way um is really special in that like you know, they're coming from this um, religious background, but that it's not just for that. It's for anybody who's in any of these professions. Like abuse happens anywhere, like they've already said. And so um, I think that's just what I want to emphasize is like encouraging anyone who like, you know, even if you don't like church, come to the church and get this training um, because you're going to be impacted by it and educated and um, our community is going to benefit from it. 
the community will definitely benefit from it. And uh, we are about running out of time here today. So I do just want to say thank you to all of you once again, uh, Rachel, Darby, Kelly, and Amy for coming in today. We really do appreciate it. Thanks, Vince. It's great to be here. Thanks a lot, Vince, for making this known out there. Thank you. Once again, folks, uh, that'll be the Be a Refuge Responding to Abuse and Trauma Free Seminar happening Saturday morning at 830 at the Covenant Presbyterian Church located at 875 Fremont Street. We're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back more today in the 10 after a quick word from our sponsors.